0: welcome back to the podcast my name is nick finzer and i'm joined today by the amazing pianist and composer and visionary project coordinator Jorn (laughs) swart uh we first met back in new york several years ago now and i'm really glad to be here with him today to chat about his brand new uh, release from his trio called malnoia and their new album hello future so Jorn, thanks for taking the time to chat today
1: yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course, man. Um, so I think first things first, we should let everyone know a little bit about who you are, kind of where you are, what you're up to, where you're from. Just give people the, uh, the overview of who is Jorn Swart.
1: Who is Jorn Swart? Well, um, I am a, a band leader, composer, and pianist. Um, my group, as you said, is Melnoia. Uh, we've been playing music together for about five years. Uh, my background is I'm, I'm from Holland. Uh, I grew up in the Netherlands. I studied in Amsterdam, where I d- did my undergraduates. That's where I met Benny van Goodside, a great jazz violist who now plays in my group. Um, and then I did my master's in C- Queens College in New York. And I, and, you know, I kind of stuck around. I'm, i I kind of meant to stay for one year and, and go back and finish my master's in the Netherlands. And I just, just never left. Um, so yeah, you know, I've been, as I said, I've been playing music with this particular group uh, for five years. It's my, me, myself on piano and Benny on viola and Lucas Pino on bass clarinet. Uh, I met Lucas also, you know, years ago, uh, and he played, he played my first album released on tenor saxophone back in 2013, I think. Um, but I, I had this idea for a new project that was quite different from what I had done before, more rooted in uh, ch- chamber music, uh, classical music. And uh, I, I really wanted to try this, like just pick my, literally my favorite instruments and just put them together and see what happens, you know? And I love the bass clarinet and the, the, the dark wooden sound. And um, I, I, I asked around and then I, I did find out that Lucas actually plays it. And, uh, you know, that's that's kind of how it started back in 2015.
0: So what was the, you know, you've picked your favorite instruments, but, like, what was the impetus for starting to create this kind of, ch- quote-unquote, chamber jazzy kind of thing?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know how, how conscious it was. Like, I wanted to do a chamber thing, but it was, I kind of just wanted to do something quite different. And I, I feel like, um, you know, as a jazz musician, we we tend to often, like my first record was, uh, you know, tenor, bass and drums and piano, like a pretty standard setup for a jazz record. And and there's nothing wrong with it. I think you can be super creative and, and like most of the music that I love is, it's is kind of in that setting, you know, but I also feel like when you look at classical music and people write, like they write a string quartet or a string trio or they write something for, uh, you know, like... They 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 come up with all kinds of combinations, like whether it be orchestra or like vibraphone and, and theremin or whatever you can think of. That's that's pretty normal, right? To kind of like have just all kinds of combinations. And I feel like we don't tend to think about that so much, you know. Like we have variation in orchestration, but it's not a big part of it. And uh, I just kind of want to escape that a little bit. Like I think there's nothing wrong with it, but I wanted if I do it, I wanted to be purposeful it's like well i imagine this very particular sound of the jazz quartet that's why i'm doing a jazz quartet record but if that's not the case then there's no reason i should go for that per se
0: yeah that makes sense um you're right I, i never kind of thought about it in that way particularly about comparing it to like the orchestration of a classical piece and how composers just write for whatever they think of or whatever they're commissioned for or some combination thereof that that makes a lot of sense but um i feel like i asked because sometimes i feel like people just do something to be weird or different but i it doesn't feel that way to me this project feels like you really had a strong vision for like what these sounds could be when they came together and how that could how you could find different textures and Tambers yeah. just with these for couple sure. of instruments
1: no for sure there was there, there was a there of course there is like an there was an idea about classical music and um you know pop, people often think that you know i'm from europe so i probably grew up like playing classical and like i'm classically trained that's not true at all like i my first you know i i, I didn't start playing piano until i was 14 and i started with Herbie and oscar Peterson. like i that's what i wanted to learn i i never actually learned classical music until I was in college, you know? So like first, actually when I was 14 and I learned about like core changes and, and improvisation, it was just, it blew my mind. I was like, oh, wow, there's this whole world that opens up, uh, you know, that's away from the page, from reading the notes. It was just like, it was like my teacher was a local jazz guy. It's just like running the session. And I just like, that was amazing. And then kind of the same revelation happened in college where there was like, I was learning about Stravinsky and Ravel and all that. And I was just like, wow, here's a whole other world that opens up to me. Right. But that, that didn't come until later. But I think both those things have just kind of blended into what's, you know, what this project is.
0: So you said you started playing piano at 14, but did you play something else before that? Was that? I, play, I played accordion. Accordion. Oh wow! Like yeah. a a button accordion or a, or no keys? Keys? Yeah, a piano
1: accordion. So, yeah, I mean that was I wasn't too serious about it, but I was, um, and I was also kind of at that point I was kind of hiding it because it's not the coolest thing to be doing as a fourteen year old. <laughs> I didn't even tell people I was going to play accordion, but. Uh, I I remember like having taught myself the blues scale and uh, kind of like fooling around on it and then my teacher came in and he's like oh what song is that I was like well it's not really a song I'm just kind of like playing blues, <laughs> <laughs> and he was like what what's like how, how do you do that like what is you know what is and I was, you got these notes it's a blues scale and and then I was like I think I should change teachers <laughs> <laughs> you know
0: so and then yeah. I kind of I kind of switched to just starting to do jazz piano that's funny man do you, do you remember what your first like herbie and Oscar Peterson records were that you were digging? I think
1: Oscar Peterson was Night Train.
0: nice um herbie
1: think, yeah. I'm trying to remember what my first Herbie record, I think it was a compilation of something that my father had, like my father was starting to learn saxophone and he, he started having all these records and then Kind of Blue was like really early on too.
0: I loved that. Nice. So is your family, do you come from like a family of musicians? Is music always around in your house or is is this kind of a, are you an outlier? No,
1: no. I'm a black sheep, yeah. They are they are they're scientists. They are. Oh, wow. Or like my father is a biologist, my mother is a well also a biologist, but was teaching chemistry at the time. Um yeah, my brother now became a just got his PhD in biology as well, so yeah.
0: Well that's a good <laughs> that's a I, good I, kind I, of segue to talk about kind of the themes that are behind the album. I know there's a lot of kind of not science it's not necessarily science based, but related themes science about fiction, the, yeah. yeah science fiction themes related so why don't you tell us a little bit more about the album and kind of the the thoughts behind the compositions
1: yeah so this kind of came out of um the album is called hello future it's kind of a you know it's a welcoming of the future and a sort of but also looking towards the future It's kind of two ways of looking at it and uh in the way that it relates to uh, technology uh, the digital age and uh you know, things that are just changing so quickly and it affects the way that we live and that we make music as well and that we experience music, you know. And there's a lot of these things that we had discussion. like we would have rehearsals as a trio and they would just devolve into these long discussions about artificial intelligence and like we would put bets on like when, you know, when the self-driving cars would put all the New York drivers out of work and stuff and like we'd have arguments about it and uh, this you know this this kept happening and then I thought how how do I incorporate some of these ideas into music you know because like we're playing instrumental music obviously it's not it's it's some kind of story but it's it's like very abstract you know mm-hmm. and um, so so then I thought like well people have often commented on our music as being very storytelling like uh, so I thought what if we did a thing it's almost like reverse film scoring where You know, with film you have the narrative and then you try to fit music to that to enhance it or steer it a certain way. What if we did the opposite? So we start with the music and then have a writer write a short story to that piece of music and see what they come up with. You know, so that was kind of the idea. And that's what we ended up doing. So we have 10 compositions on the album, uh, plus a cover of uh, Tears in the Rain. Uh, from Blade Runner, the Blade Runner soundtrack, and all those 10 compositions are accompanied by a short story that explore these themes of artificial intelligence and technology and the way, you know, loneliness in a digital age and the, the future and the past and how we relate to those. And that's, a, that's that's the result. You know, it's a kind of a concept album with a, it's a hybrid of music and short stories.
0: So, how did you find uh, someone to help write and bring to life these short stories? Uh, well, there was I, I. Well, I have to say, I wrote two of the stories myself, and then
1: um, m- my girlfriend is a writer and director, so she wrote a bunch of the stories, uh, and then I had this uh, New York poet George Wallace that I did a gig with years ago, probably a decade at this point. Um, where he would, he would narrate his poems and I would play underneath him, you know, uh, and I hit him up. And actually, I really love his poetry. It's, it's really, it's like, it's kind of in the style of the beat poets mm-hmm. and, you know, they used to do a lot with jazz and like having it sort of feel very improvisational. And uh, I asked him to write, you know, I sent him two of the, the tracks and asked him to write uh, poems on them and they turned out amazing. Um, so yeah. And then, and then my girlfriend's sister is also a writer and she
0: wrote another two of these stories. Beautiful, man. That's like, it's super cool. And it's super cool to, you know, watch and see the process of how your project is coming together. Cause you think about it so much more in like a global sense than like a lot of artists who just kind of like, here's my tunes, here's a record, you know, like this is just a random collection of stuff, but your project is really like super well thought out. And so I i as an appreciator and fan of the music you know really appreciate how how it's all tied together and how how that happened is so it seems to me like this kind of was a natural process for you but was there any sort of, did it take you like a long time to like come up with like okay we're gonna do this and we're gonna do this and i'm gonna have the writers and all of that or was it really more organic than that
1: it was pretty organic i would say i think we it, it did take a long time just because i mean because of everything the mm-hmm. the way the world goes you know but um i think being locked down for a f- full full year almost now also like helped to sort of like have me really be like okay no first it was maybe like three three little stories that accompanied and it was like at some point no i think we should just do all 10 compositions you know why not like we can do it and uh especially when it you know we recorded this two years ago almost we've been playing this music for you know over three years and like been writing it probably for over four years. So it is a long time and it's sort of uh, it is slowly coming together. And I would say that process is definitely organic.
0: For sure, man. And um, so kind of going right along with that whole holistic kind of view of everything, you've kind of got this whole uh, launch project that's going right along with it. Um, If you're listening uh, in real time, it's going on right now, but this album Hello Future is out March 19th and you have a uh, launch experience that you kind of put together. And so why don't you tell everybody about that?
1: Yeah. So basically, and you can, you know, when you listen to this, it's, it's started, but you can still join it. So uh, it's, it's because we wanted to really do this justice, right? Again, like it's, as you said, like just put, putting the music out there and, and, and just be done with it. That just didn't feel right. Uh, And I have done that in the past, you know, of course you do, it's more than that, but at least normally you get to do a CD release show and things like that. Um, But I yeah, with the stories and everything around it, I wanted to do more. So we created this thing, it's called the Hello Future Experience, and it's six days and every day um, you'll get a secret link to a page that has uh, all kinds of extra content around uh, the song. So we basically walk you through the album, two songs at a time, uh, so there will be the, the music, but also um, the short stories and the narrations of the short stories, interviews with the three of us and with the writers. Um, we have unreleased performance videos and um, we'll be doing a live stream. So this is, you know, people can join that. Uh, I, if I just can make a plug, it's at melnoyamusic.com slash HelloFuture. Uh, you can join for free there. And I think this is just going to be part of the album, like even after this release is over and after the experience is done, I think it's, it's going to stay on there uh, because to me, it's just part of it. You know, I think mm-hmm. um, it's, you know, this, the physical CD, of course, exists too, and it has a booklet uh, with the stories in it. Um, but yeah, I think these days you have to be sort of, you have to be very creative about releasing music. Uh, because of, you know, again, it's it's tied into the technology and the way that people experience music. And it's, I know, you know, it's very frustrating in many ways that things are the way they are. Um, but also sometimes it's also like a push to be more creative and to actually find ways to solve the problem. Um, and that's kind of what, what I'm trying to do.
0: Yeah, man. I'm with you there. Um, it's like, yeah, it's like a creative limitation. Like, what are we going to do? Yeah, we can yeah. just keep complaining, but can't change it on our own. So, yeah. Um, but that, I really love the idea of, you know, having these expanded, whatever, liner notes, this experience, it's not liner notes, it's an experience and really yeah. taking advantage of the technology because yeah. so many artists are just like, no, I just, the music should just be what it is. And it's like, well, yeah, okay. But, how about we take advantage of all of the technology that, you know, is out there. And I know that part of that has, for you has been getting into during this time, doing some live streams and stuff like that. How has that experience been for you getting into the the live streaming game?
1: Yeah, well, exactly. We were talking about it a little bit before uh, this recording, but yeah, it's, I think that's, that's part of that too. Um, doing a live stream and engaging with the people who like your music in this way, it's a totally different experience. And you know, it, it is a bit of a barrier because it's, it is something new and it is something scary. But as I was saying before, you know, there was a time when performing live on stage was also the most terrifying thing you could imagine. And uh, you just kind of have to get over it and just do it. And then actually seeing people comments as you play and they commenting on the, the, the things that you're playing in the songs. And they're requesting things and they're asking questions and they react and they, you know, that's. It's, it's different than a live performance you know where people don't actually talk to you you know they just experience and they sit and that's great too and it's a different kind of interaction And you can see of course their reaction on their faces and that's that's a whole other thing and you can hear them applaud but this is slightly different and really cool in its own way i think and i've done three now since since the pandemic started and i really want to sort of ramp them up a little bit and start doing more um and uh Yeah, I think this is one of those things that will probably stay until after this is all over because it actually is a, it's really a great
0: opportunity. Yeah, you can connect directly with the fans uh, in a different, you know, this kind of, it feels a little more casual somehow. But, you know, even, even with the highest production value, you know, it's still like providing access that's never been a thing before so yeah i hope that other artists will take advantage i know there's been a lot of people doing it but also a lot of people that are very very resistant to uh putting themselves out there in that way
1: yeah yeah and i think it's it's a lot about building a relationship you know i think as an as any like entrepreneur and you know in in a way we are entrepreneurs um you know like just having them just putting the music out there works maybe for very few people you know But most people will have to really build a relationship with, with the people that are interested in what they do. And I think there really is a story behind any piece of music, you know, and even if it's kind of abstract or hard to put in words, there's really something there. And I think you can really help people sort of get there a little easier by just giving a little bit of background or a little bit of like, this is where that's this is coming from, you know. It's the same on live shows, I feel like. I always try to make a point of of really engaging with the audience in between songs. Now, this is not like stylistically might not be right for everyone. You know, sometimes if you have a complete suite that just is, you know, from beginning to end, then I think that's cool, too. But that's its own sort of story, too. So whatever it is, it has to be very purposeful, I think.
0: Yeah, agreed. The more purposeful, the better, the more creative the better in terms of finding new ways to communicate those ideas, because the audience wants to connect with ideas, at least in my experience, too. Like, those ideas what help them understand what you're doing, because what we're doing as improvisers is a pretty, like, you know, lofty artistic thing, and to kind of make it more accessible is important. Yeah. so i know that you are really involved with a lot of different things you don't just play in this trio so why don't you give people some context about what are like all the other things that you've been up to not only during the last year but kind of even before that
1: yeah um yeah it's, it's kind of funny to ask that question now because it really does feel like i'm only working on one thing right now right, right. Uh, because it, it just it's just i've been obsessed about this release and trying to get it Done as good as I can. But yeah, let's go back in time a little bit. Well, I have a solo piano project. It's called Duca. And it is like, again, it's like a, it's kind of, you know, it's quite different from anything else I had done before. It's, it's a, it's very sort of minimalistic, peaceful piano. But, you know, something I stand behind, like something I'm actually quite proud of. And, uh, I've been pushing that since about a year, and I think that's been a nice outlet to let go some of the, what you're saying, some of the more lofty, heady stuff that I tend to write. It's it's nice to say, well, I just want to write a beautiful piece uh, of music. It's it's short, it's just like harmonies and melodies that I, that I think are beautiful and that's enough. So that's kind of that. Um, and I've been working, uh, you know, bef- I've been working as a musical director um, I was a pianist and musical director for Jackie Ivenko who's been touring a lot and um, that's been really fun and um, you know now I'm, I think I am s- slowly transitioning to doing more stuff that's that's uh, yeah that's more piano related so I, uh, I think the next thing I really want to do and, and this comes out of this whole experience too is just the engaging with with people in this way Um, making tutorials YouTube tutorials I think I've been keeping up this blog piano blog for over a year it's just an email list basically but I I send out people every week what I'm working on and uh, you know like if I'm doing piano reharmonizations things like that Uh, so it's all kind of in the email but I kind of want to take it out of that and just start putting things on YouTube and and uh, nice and focus on that
0: Nice, man. That's cool. I look forward to being able to see that and steal all of your ideas. <laughs> <laughs> um so that kind of leads me into my next question. So you're gonna go into these tutorials. You're gonna be doing some piano stuff. but what's what's kind of next for Melnoia? What's next for you in terms of either more music, different projects? what are you what are you been thinking about?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's I have been thinking about it because like now the release date is is nearing so much that I'm like, okay, what's gonna be after this? i'm am I gonna just collapse. Uh, <laughs> But I think I am. I would be. Ex, I'm excited to write some new music. I have been writing a little bit for Melnoia that I want to try out again and book a tour. I think I really want to tour again in 20. Uh, I guess it's gonna be 2022. That's so. I know. Depressing. It seems so crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had. I, I. was booking a tour for January this year. So that obviously that didn't happen. Um, and I think having some something like that to work towards too and then like have music ready. Uh, I am trying to, like, release more music more regularly. I think that's that's going to be important for me, is to, like, write more stuff and just release it. Like, I don't want it to take, like, every time four years between right, records. Right, right, you know? right, <laughs> Um So, um, yeah, I'm toying out around with ideas. You know, again, I had this idea of, like, maybe working with some... Expanding on this idea of, of algorithms... Uh, and artificial intelligence, just conceptually a little bit, uh, you know, finding ways to be creative within them. But at the same time, like you know, like we we want to fight them because, you know, it might be a while f- till the first jazz robot shows up and steals our gigs. But you know, <laughs> there are things that are gonna change. And like, what if an algorithm is gonna, you know, make just turn out music that sounds exactly like the music you would create? But it's there's, there's no human involved in there. Yeah. Um, that's terrifying, you know, and it's, and, and I don't think we're that far away from that.
0: Yeah, probably not.
1: <laughs> so, you know, what is it that, that we, that makes us unique as humans, like the, the kind of thing that we create, and especially with jazz music, I think there is something really powerful there because um, because of the self-expression, you know, and, and the, um, the improvisational nature of it That. You know, you could fake it, you know, could you could analyze the Charlie Parker solo and then have a, you know, that thing actually exists like an algorithm that's kind of playing like Charlie Parker. But, you know, you take the humanity out of it, um, even if you could fool, I don't think you can really fool people yet with that, but even if you could just knowing that there is a human on the other side of it's just really important because it is, it's about communication, you know, it's like. We know that someone experienced something and we hearing we're hearing them play and perform and have an experience that does something to us that makes us feel different when we listen to it. So, you know, that's something to that we can really hold on to. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know what it's gonna be if it's like a sort of a, um, a sarcastic or ironic sort of approach to algorithms or or maybe using it in a good way, maybe finding ways to to push music in a direction that I might not expect it otherwise to go, but then use my own uh, humanity to actually make it uh, become alive. These are just ideas I'm toying with. So (laughs) I'm just kind of spitballing here. But
0: no, man, that's super. It's super interesting just to hear what different people are thinking about and like how to how they relate to these ideas. And I know that I can only imagine how these conversations would go knowing Lucas like, oh, man just kind of like I'd love well, to just like hear some of those I mean
1: both of these guys Lucas and Benny it's just like I have to sometimes put the break on these conversations and like, <laughs> guys, we still have eight songs to get through like I have to book a new rehearsal now
0: uh, <laughs> that's funny um, so the last the last thing I want to know is uh, what's the date that you guys uh, bet on for the cabbies to have <laughs> lose their jobs <laughs>
1: Uh, I actually can't remember, I have to look it up in, in my memoirs, but uh, I, I think some of us, maybe I thought it would have been already now, because that was 2015, I think five years was maybe the earliest, and that's that's past. Oh, so, yeah. Um, yeah. So I think uh, I might have lost that bet. That's maybe funny. that's that's reason to be slightly more optimistic than I am. I'm not sure. <laughs>
0: that's funny. So, um, well, Joran, thanks for taking some time to let everyone know about Hello Future and your trio, Melnoia, It's coming out. Uh, Hello Future is coming out March 19th, 2021. And uh, why don't you let everyone know, like, how can they find the launch experience for Hello Future? Where can they buy the album? Where do you want to send people to connect with you?
1: So generally... Our website is melnoyamusic.com, and there you can find the link to the Hello Future Experience, and you can buy the record there as well. And then I think most of our uh, stuff goes on on the Facebook page. So just go to facebook.com slash and that's where you can find us. And my Instagram is at Jorn Swartz.
0: Excellent, well, I encourage everyone to go there, go to their website to buy the music. It's always so helpful to the artists when you can go and support them directly. So please do that if you can. And if not, please at least check out the music. They know there's some great videos. They got some great photos. I just really love the photos that these guys put together for this project. So you can go and find those par- as part of the launch experience, I'm sure. Joran, thanks again for taking some time to chat today. And we're looking forward to the next project.